good guys and bad guys in history. It is tempting to divide history neatly into good guys and bad guys, with all empires among the bad guys. For the vast majority of empires were founded on blood and maintained their power through oppression and war. Yet most of today's cultures are based on imperial legacies. If empires were, are by definition bad, what does that say about us? There are schools of thought and pol political movements that seek to purge human culture of imperialism, leaving behind what they claim is a pure, authentic civilization, untainted by sin. These ideologies are at best naive, at worst, they serve as disingenuous window dressing for crude nationalism and bigotry. Perhaps you could make a case that some of the myriad cultures that emerged at the dawn of recorded history were pure, untouched by sin, and unadulterated by other societies. But no culture since that dawn can reasonably make that claim, certainly no culture that exists now on earth. All human cultures are at least in part the legacy of empires and imperial civilizations, and no academic or political surgery can cut out the imperial legacies without killing the patient. Think, for example, about the love-hate relationship between the independent Indian Republic of today and the British Raj. The British conquest and occupation of India cost the lives of millions of Indians and was responsible for the continuous humiliation and exploitation of hundreds of millions more. Yet many Indians adopted with the zest of converts Western ideas such as self-determination and human rights and were dismayed when the British refused to live up to their own declared values by granting native Indians either equal rights as British subjects or independence. Nevertheless, the modern Indian state is a child of the British Empire. The British killed, injured, and persecuted the inhabitants of the subcontinent, but they also united a bewildering mosaic of warring kingdoms, principalities, and tribes, creating a shared national consciousness and a country that functioned more or less as a single political unit. They laid the foundation of the Indian judicial system, created its administrative structure, and built the railroad network that was critical for economic integration. Independent India adopted Western democracy in its British incarnation as its form of government. English is still the subcontinent's lingua franca, a neutral tongue that native speakers of Hindi, Tamil, and Malayalam can use to communicate. 
Indians are passionate cricket players and chai tea drinkers, and both game and beverage are British legacies. Commercial tea farming did not exist in India until the mid-19th century, when it was introduced by the British East India Company. It was the snobbish British sahibs who spread the custom of tea drinking throughout the subcontinent. Here in figure 28, the Chhatrapati Shivachi train station in Mumbai, it began its life in Victoria Station, Bombay. The British built it in the neo-Gothic style that was popular in late 19th century Britain. A Hindu nationalist government changed the names of both city and station but showed no appetite for raising such a magnificent building, even if it was built by foreign oppressors. Going back, how many Indians today would want to call a vote to divest themselves of democracy, English, the railway network, the legal system, cricket, and tea on the grounds that they are imperial legacies? And if they did, wouldn't the very act of calling a vote to decide the issue demonstrate their debt to their former overlords? Even if we were to completely disavow the legacy of a brutal empire in the hope of reconstructing and safeguarding the authentic cultures that preceded it, in all probability, what we will be defending is nothing but the legacy of an older and no less brutal empire. Those who resent the mutilation of Indian culture by the British Raj inadvertently sanctify the legacies of the Mughal Empire and conquering Sultanate, Sultanate of Delhi. And whoever attempts to rescue authentic Indian culture from the alien influences of these Muslim empires, sanctifies the legacy of the Gupta Empire, the Kushan Empire, and the Maurya Empire. If an extreme Hindu nationalist were to destroy all the buildings left by the British conquerors, such as Mumbai's main train station, what about the structures left by India's Muslim conquerors such as the Taj Mahal. Nobody really knows how to solve this thorny question of cultural inheritance. Whatever path we take, the first step is to acknowledge the complexity of the dilemma and to accept that simplistically dividing the past into good guys and bad guys leads nowhere. Unless, of course, we are willing to admit that we usually follow the lead of the bad guys.